Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to a special Screen Picks podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about the Oscars uh, ceremony that just happened, the 95th Academy Awards. We're going to do a recap of, of it. And I'm joined by my Oscar pundits and good friends, uh, Andrew Payne, Adam Spunberg, and Joel Amos. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing great. Excellent. <laughs> I'm filling in for uh, for host Bill Wallace, who we missed dearly, but he's on vacation, so he asked if I could host our our recap of the show. So I'm just going to kind of start it off. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, the winners first off. So was anyone surprised? Any anything that uh, that was surprising to them who won? I th- I thought all all quiet on the Western Front. One more than I think we thought it was going to, right? Yeah, yeah. That that that. I mean, I, I actually love that movie. I think I've said it here before. That's like one of my favorite books. Um, but like, it won in a couple of categories that I didn't think it would win, um, and it won in the categories that I thought it would. But I think for me, the biggest one is is the production design. Um, uh, I mean, you look at like whether it's you know Elvis or Babylon and, and the attention to detail of both of those movies is just uncanny. And so for me, that was a shock. And, and, and I don't know, I'm not necessarily the expert on the war movie, but like, I, I think, you know, war movies, uh, I don't think they have a long history of winning this award. Um, and I don't know what necessarily made it win that award. Um, Cause it was just kind of a lot of dirt, but like, uh, it was quite realistic. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. How about you, yeah, Andrew? Trenches <laughs> and rats. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised. Any- it's interesting because I think if you remember, I don't know exactly what year this was. It was like 2009 or something like that. There was the year where um, Hurt Locker won kind of all the big awards and – avatar won all the technical awards and it felt kind of like that again like everything everywhere all at once essentially swept i mean swept the major categories it won everything that it could have in the major categories there was not a lead actor in the movie so it could not have won that but won supporting won both supporting one lead actress one screenplay one director one picture and one film editing and then all quiet on the western front what the technical awards and I would not have seen that coming. I would have thought that if you were going to take a movie from the year and said, we want to award this movie for its technical achievements, you would have gone with Top Gun Maverick just because it was such a big movie and certainly deserving of a lot of the the technical Oscars. Um, It did win best sound. So it was surprising to me to see, all quiet on the Western front win all those Oscars. Like it kept running. I think we were texting during the show and we said, yeah. is this going to win best picture? Like it just keeps <laughs> winning everything. And it, and it, it won the, and it won the BAFTA way. for best picture. So it wouldn't have been completely out right. of nowhere for it, for it to win best picture. But then once everything won screenplay and, you know, that was kind of a 50, 50 between that and Banshees of Inishir and, it seemed pretty definitive yeah. at that point that, that it was going to end up just sweeping the rest of the awards. 
Yeah, I agree. Screenplay is yeah. key. Yeah. How about you, Adam? Anything struck you as, as surprising? No, I mean, I I think you all nailed it. I mean, there's really, to me, two movies that were the story. Uh, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, of course, and All Quiet on the Western Front. And it reminded me a little bit, um, All Quiet was you had some kind of below the radar, radar, let's say, uh, not best picture winners, but movies that have cleaned up. Uh, Grand Budapest Hotel is one I I was thinking of, Life of Pi. You know, it really did uh, incredibly well. Uh, but I was, you know, I, I think, Joel, you have a great point because maybe when you look at specific categories, you know, did it deserve to win on certain technical levels? But uh, on a bigger narrative, you know, I think it was really um, quite amazing that this German yeah. film of a story that that has been done before, that they were able to, to do it so well uh, to capture, you know, the... the you know, the the glory of the Academy, I, I did feel pretty excited for it, and I think it was a great movie that deserved a lot of accolades. So made me happy. And the other thing that stood out to me about Everything Everywhere All at Once, I don't know if I can ever remember a movie that seemed to have the crowd at the Oscars so excited and rooting for it. You know, it was such a high-energy, clearly beloved movie by other actors and directors and, and uh, film people. So I think that sort of rubbed off and made the show a little bit more exciting in general. And actually, if I could pick, yeah, um, that's true. Pigtail to that, um, I think on the opposite end of that is Babylon, and I think we all thought that Babylon would win uh, best production design, uh, perhaps score. Um, but like I think we were talking about this before, is is that it, it's kind of become a joke. Like one of those, oh, that movie bombed, it's a joke. And it's like there was, and I didn't necessarily see this coming, but like I felt it during the show that like it's the new bomb that everybody's going to talk about. And that killed its chances for anything. Which is a I think that's a good point. I really I mean, I, yeah. Yeah, I finally watched it last night before the show, before the, the night before the ceremony. And certainly it should have won for production design. I mean, it's interesting when they show all quiet and you can tell that like a lot of it's CGI. Um, yep. It was also interesting when they showed yeah. the whale winning for best makeup. And then they talked about how yes. basically all CGI. <laughs> it's like, well, is, is there a new, like, is there just a new world of makeup <laughs> where CGI counts? But Either way, yeah, I, I think you're right, Joel. I mean, Babylon's essentially the new Heaven's Gate. I mean, the, yes. Paramount basically said yeah. to Damien Chazelle, go make whatever movie you want to. And I think when you see that movie, it's pretty clear that's what happened because no studio executive would ever give somebody a bunch of money to make that movie. They'd be like, who, who on earth is going to want to see this? But I thought it was a very fun, enjoyable movie. And certainly from a design standpoint and the score, the score is fantastic. But, yeah, I think you're right. It's become such a a kind of punchline, and it was such a disaster at the box office that it was hard probably for anybody to back it for anything. Even if it deserved it. I know. I thought that was was a bit of a shame because I I did like it too. Now, like everybody I've talked to who's actually seen it, they're like, yeah, I kind of like 
interesting, you know. So who knows? Who knows what people think? Um, I also felt that we let's talk about some of the winners' uh, uh, speeches and stuff. I mean, I also felt like this year was was the year of the underdog, man. I mean, it was one of the more emotional. I've seen it a long time where like literally everyone who got, got up there to accept their award has been either been around forever and, you know, is finally getting recognition like he and Brendan and, and, you know, or like Michelle Yeoh as well. It's like, I just felt like it was certainly like, and, and of Jamie Lee Curtis, who I actually didn't vote for, darn it, I should have, but I didn't. I was thinking that at least they'd give maybe Banshee something. I mean, you know, that's like, you, Andrew, you and I were both on the Carrie Condon uh, wagon there. Um, but, yeah, I just I just felt like it was a very emotional <laughs> as far as the, the speeches. Did you guys feel the same way? I'll, I'll let Andrew start. Yeah, it, it did feel like, you know, every year there, there's the career award, right? There's the, yeah. the, the person who'd never won before or, you know, it's the Martin Scorsese for – the departed and, you know, all those types of awards. I mean, even like, I mean, it's interesting to say like Leo for the Revenant. That was essentially one yeah. of those Brad Pitt for yeah. once upon a time in Hollywood, even though we're pretty sure that they're going to have many more chances, but yeah, you're right. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michelle Yeoh, Hugh Kwan and Brendan Fraser, all four of them felt like that. And all of their speeches yeah. were really about how, you know, that they've, they've been doing this for a while um, I really like Jamie Lee Curtis's speech. Uh, I mean, I really like Key Kwan's speech. Brendan Fraser's speech was a was a little incoherent, but uh-huh. you can kind of tell just when when they were when they were cutting to the um, nominees how visibly nervous he was, and I think that that's very honest because yeah. what was also great about the awards this year. Except for Key Kwan, although I'm sure that even he probably is not going to, you know, count as chickens before they hatch, but none of the acting nominees were a sure thing, like the other three categories. Yeah. So I think that a lot of that emotion was, was really was really honest and really genuine. You know, normally we know who's going to win, right? Like when, when Julia Roberts won for Aaron Brockovich, there was no doubt that she was yeah. going to win. Um, when George Clooney won for Siriana, there's no doubt that he's going to win. There was no doubt Brad Pitt was going to win. Uh, all of those. But all of these were, they could have just as easily said Austin Butler or Angela Bassett or Carrie Condon or Kate uh, yeah. Blanchett, and, and they didn't. And I think that we ended up getting some more kind of honest, emotional speeches. And, you know, they, they range from good with Jamie Lee Curtis to the, you know, incomprehensible with Brendan Fraser, where I'm not even 100% sure what he would say. Um, but it was great to see, like, that level of emotion and, and that level of kind of humility from, from those caliber of stars. Yeah, it's true. How about, how about you, Adam? Did you, uh, were you impressed by those the speeches? Yeah, I mean, uh, Look, maybe there's some recency bias here, and, and, and I don't want to sound, you know, like I'm full of hyperbole, but I, I thought these were the best acceptance speeches I could remember uh, at an Oscar yeah. for a long time. I mean, there there have been truly great moments uh, at a lot of Oscars, but in terms of consistently one after the other, even some of the lesser awards, 
you know, I felt like almost everybody had something interesting or meaningful to say, um, which I really enjoyed. And, yeah, I mean, for, for some people, it was just, you know, watching uh, h- how much it meant to the underdogs, as you said, Kit, uh, and so overjoyed. It, that's what, you know, it, it was kind of like uh, the American dream in a sense, right? People who have been <laughs> counted out or waited a long time. Yep. Uh, for this recognition. So I, I have to say, maybe I'm, I'm sentimental and a sucker, but I, there were a couple of times I had some tears in my eyes. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Watching this today. And I thought that was really amazing. Well, certainly, well, certainly Key was one that just got me going. I mean, right off the bat, man, just, he couldn't, he couldn't get through it. He was so emotional. You're like, how can you not tear up? Like, you're inhuman if you can't cry at his speech. It was it was so cute. I love the way he stood up though when Harrison Ford came out to uh, <laughs> to hand out the best oh, yeah, picture. That was... and they, they panned to him and he standing up. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine telling? Imagine you're, there you are shooting Temple of Doom, you know, and you could tell them this moment is going to happen, you know, forty years later or whatever it is. <laughs> I mean, you could. You couldn't that, write that's it. Such an incredible thing. <laughs> you can write that. You know. You can't write that. No, you couldn't write that. You know, it's, it's interesting. This actually was um, my my daughter has seen the Oscars in various uh, forms. She's nine. Uh, at three or four, she was really into the red carpet and the pretty dresses and all that. But tonight was the first night we watched with her from beginning to end. And I'm I'm really thrilled that you brought up that phrase because she kept repeating the word. Is he talking or is she talking about the American dream? And to a nine-year-old, to be inspired like that, and then to have somebody tell you, you know, don't let anyone tell you you're past your prime. Um, I mean, these these are things that sink through. That as as, as a father, I just I, I can't even teach because there's something about the star and their glamorous dress saying it that like really hits home with with my daughter, and especially if there's tears and. Oh my gosh, she was like on his daddy crying patrol all night, and you know there were a couple, <laughs> four or five times where she's like, "Daddy's crying." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I know." Um, so like, yeah, I thought the speeches were were, were pretty incredible, and, and I agree uh, with with Andrew about Brendan, and, and uh, I saw that uh, you know we saw him at the Hollywood uh, Critics Awards and 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 other awards where he was like the most inspiring speeches about being down and out, coming back, and fighting and. Uh, I think that, like, the, the consensus with him was that he, he thought that Austin Butler was going to win. I mean, he didn't write it. Yeah. And so I think when he got up there, he just, I mean, he didn't freeze because he still got out some decent stuff. But, like, I expected more from him. And, and you know, whatever. It's just my two cents. But, like, it, it's still a great achievement for him. I, I was worried he was going to hyperventilate. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. I, I was yeah, like he nervously did, he did hoping he'd get through the speech. He was nervous. Yeah, he definitely was nervous. All right, so let's talk about the show itself. Um, I thought Jimmy did a great job. He's kind of, you know, he's polished now, but his, his monologue was definitely his best part of the show. Did you, do you guys agree? <laughs> I'll, let, I'll, let, I'll let you start off, Adam. What did you think of the show itself? Yeah, I, I thought I thought he was terrific, uh, but but especially in the beginning. Uh, you know, a couple of the segments yeah. later on were, were a little hit and miss. I thought, but 
You know, one one thing that I uh, I, I was thinking is, and, and maybe it's representative of, of cynicism in general uh, in Hollywood, but, you know, you've got Ricky Gervais and you've got a, a lot of people who bring sort of the more, more mean-spirited, uh, negative type of humor. It, it was kind of nice that he had, yes, he had a couple zingers, you know, that hit hard, but for the most part, it was more of a positive kind of hosting, and I did I did like that. I felt like that was, you know, appreciated at this time. His jokes were, for the most part, pretty good, um, and he just kind of you know seemed happy to be there. And and I thought that there was a a lot of energy that he was sharing, and it was come sort of reverberating back between him and the the presenters. And overall, it was really. I thought one of the best Oscar shows there had been in, in quite some time. Yeah, how about you, Joel? Um, I actually, I, I, I thought it started out great. I thought Jimmy just threaded that needle, uh, especially after the slapping of last year. There was an elephant in the room, and I thought he handled it well without naming names. Yeah. Um, I thought his comedy was fine. Uh, the other thing I think he did really well, and, and this is a good Oscar host that can do this, uh, any host really, is, is react to what's happening. Yeah. Um, nothing scripted, but something that you just pull out of your head that really makes the moment. Like when he was talking to Masala and he asked her a question, and she just said, I care about peace. I mean, that could have just been like an anvil that told, <laughs> you know, that moment. But, like, he just was like, okay, and moved on, and everything was fine. Um, but I, I felt like, you know, like, yeah, there were some great speeches at the beginning and some speeches sprinkled through, but I, I felt like it, after that, just, like, out of the gate, explosion of emotion between Ken and, and, and Jamie Lee that, that, like, everything else felt a little, a little flat until it got, like, more going again. Uh, and, and that's all. And there was no real um, uh, compilations that I really like to see. And and if anything, yeah. I, I felt like Disney was co-opting the show to push Disney products. What? And, um, you know, it's their right to do that, their network. And Bob Iger was shown probably about five or six times in the audience. And he was interviewed on the red carpet a million times. But I just, you know, okay, we get it. You know, and I think it's important to celebrate 100 years of Disney. And it was important to celebrate 100 years of Warner Brothers. But, like, it just sure felt like, and here's the new trailer for and I don't, I don't remember that ever happening. Yeah, I was really surprised by that. I mean, we were texting, Andrew, you, you, you said, what is this? What's going on? Right? Yeah, I mean, I think that the addition of branded content, like, inside the Oscars was jarring, to say the least. And, you know, it's it's like I don't want to be some old sanctimonious person who, you know, doesn't understand the way the world is going. But they've never done anything like that before. And, and I know that, you know, for telecasts like this, especially as audiences are dwindling, they're looking for any way they can possibly sell an ad. Um, so that was uh, clearly on display, having people come out and introduce clips as though they were part of the show and they were just basically just throwing the commercials. So that, that was surprising. Um, I, I agree. Like, 
I really like the monologue. It, it felt to me almost like, like I want to say like Johnny Carson-esque, like Kimball was trying to be sort of almost the mayor of Hollywood there. And I thought he did a really good job with that. And it, it kind of makes sense. I mean, he's the only major late night talk show host that's in LA anymore. And it really felt like he was kind of hosting a party and, and kind of presiding over the LA scene. And, and I think that he did a good job of that. But then after that, the show was just award, 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 award. There wasn't anything else in it. There were no montages, even though I think they promised that there were going to be montages. There were no celebrations of film, celebrations of film from the year, anything like that. It was just awards. And and the only sort of breaking up of that was a couple of these commercials that they basically worked into it with the Little Mermaid and the the Warner Brothers thing and things like that. Yeah, it's just there wasn't much going on after that. Like, I think that it was fine. You know, it, it moved as fast as something like that can move. I just, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm of the opinion of I don't really care how long the Oscars is as long as they're doing something with the length. And with this, it was just, it didn't feel like much really happened after the opening. I'm sorry, this year, besides Not Too, Not Too, which was such – so above and beyond better than any of those other songs. The song category was the worst, I think, that I can think of in the in, in recent memory. I mean, the, the Lady Gaga song was great. She's she's extremely talented. But uh, what was happening with that song from Everything Everywhere All Was What in the hell was that? That's David. Oh Brown. yeah, that was pretty bad. Yeah, I, I mean that was David Byrne. Byrne. I mean that's essentially. David Byrne has more or less become like, I don't know, like like if you watch American Utopia, which was the thing he did, yeah. to me it feels like your sort of like adult local theater company got their hands on talking head songs and like put something like, like that's what it always felt like to me. It's not good. And that was was very much in that vein with him like doing his little you know, movements and non-dancing and wearing a suit. And that song is not good. I mean, the Taylor Swift song from <laughs> so the Crawdads movie. The Taylor Swift song from the Crawdads movie wasn't, you know, even in her top 100 songs she's ever recorded. But it was certainly better than two or three of the songs that were nominated. And to get Taylor Swift at the Oscars, it's like, do any of the voters think of things like that? Like, if we nominate this song, Taylor Swift is going to come and perform at the Oscars. <laughs> well, they had. They had. Doesn't mean she has to win. They did have Rihanna and Lady Gaga, though. I mean, I, I feel like they, I have to stand did. up a little bit for for that song. This is a life because I agree that it's unusual. But I don't know if, if you've ever listened to there's a podcast song exploder where they talk about some. There's actually like a really fascinating story uh, behind that song uh, and how it came together. So I, I could see how it would be like a polarizing acquired taste, but there's actually some some kind of genius behind aspects of it if you check that out. So uh, I, 
I, I like okay. it personally. I'm sorry to say that uh, I like that song. But Kit could have, if I could just say one thing about an earlier comment, I, I do want to say uh, when I was saying it was the best show, I meant presenters, uh, acceptance speeches. Yeah. But but I do have to point out, I completely agree. I thought the the weird studio promotion and then like Warner Brothers had one also. That was, I thought, really missed the mark. It felt like corporate shilling going on there. Um, and I also didn't, like they even though it. I really, but even, well, but even though I really like, like Lenny Kravitz, like, do I felt like that in the morning was stuff? kind of weird. Too. Yeah. Yeah. My, my wife I said like that, the song, it, but... like, I loved Lenny, but I think that was the wrong song. Um, yeah. Because that was one of those, one of those moments where I was, having my eyes examined whether I was crying and <laughs> I, I actually, <laughs> I actually was and normally I do. And, and I think, it, I think it was the song. Um, and I love Lenny, but I just, I just don't think that was, that was right. And before I forget, if I can just indulge, I, I had a, I had a, a vision of the beginning of the show and I, I would love to hear you guys if you think it's too much or too soon, but I had a vision like, because Matt Damon and Jimmy Kimmel have such a rivalry. And I thought that Jimmy would come out and say there's an elephant room and we need to deal with it and let's just get it over with. And then Matt Damon would come out and slap him. Oh, that's a great pitch. Okay, thanks. That would have been or I thought okay. we actually said it out loud. When the bear comes out into the audience, right, and comes up to Jimmy, yeah. if, if, if it pulled off the bear head and it was Matt Damon, that would also have been a great exactly. little bit right Yeah, there. I thought for right. sure that that was going to be Matt Damon. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought Matt Damon was going to appear somehow. I thought him slapping Jimmy would have packed a punch and that deflated that balloon. That would have been so funny. Immediately. And then we just get on with that the That would show. have been hilarious. Yeah, that would have been hilarious. Oh well, we didn't Thank write you. the show. Yeah, so it was, so yeah, I, I I felt like it was a little bit lacking in um, what it was what it what it gave us as far as present uh, you know winners and great speeches and just kind of inspiring the people who won was awesome. But the show itself kind of lacked. They're, they're just they're missing the comedy. It used to be funnier. They used to have funnier presenters. I mean, my, that's it for me was was. Elizabeth Banks and the Bear. I mean, that was hilarious. But that was, you know, about it. There really wasn't anything else. Like, I, I need my Tina Fey and my Amy Poehler, or you know, I need you know, Chris Sweet and Maya Rudolph. I just, yeah, Will Ferrell and Jack Black. I mean, Jack Black, something like that. <laughs> well, anyway, I know that that um, before we get into what we think might win the Oscars next year, because I know Andrew has his list ready, uh, I was just going to go through the Razzies real quick, as in ref in in reference to to Mr. Phil Wallace, who loves the Razzies. Uh, the worst picture was Blonde. <laughs> again, Good. why was the Beyond is nominated again. I mean, it looks like she did a great job, but my God, that movie is so horrible. They expected it. Yeah. And Jared Leto won for Morbius. <laughs> Poor Jared Leto. <laughs> okay. Uh, won for Best Actress, Worst Actress, the Razzies? I don't know what that means. 
Does anybody know that? I don't know. Um, also, uh, Tom Hanks wins best wins worst supporting actor for uh, for Elvis. <laughs> that was wow! Interesting. Did, did anyone yeah. think Tom Hanks would ever win a Razzie? <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> no, won a Razzie. No one hear me. No one hear me. He's taking it in stride. What's that? I said, knowing him, he's taking it in stride. Oh, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. If so you I told me a Hanks was getting a Razzie, him. yeah, I'd have bet on Colin Hanks way before Tom. If you if you were giving <laughs> me the actual, I would have bet. I would have bet on Chet, Chet Hanks. For <laughs> <laughs> worst original song for some who knows what, or for Rita Wilson for for worst original song probably. <laughs> oh. All right, so here are our predictions. Do you yes. think it's going to win Best Picture in 2024? Go ahead, Andrew. I don't have a list. I'm going to let you guys Ooh. take this. Best Picture. So the, the the one thing I want to call out before I get to – I'll turn it over to everyone, and then I'll get to my, my lock of the year for next year. Um, next year is pretty interesting because it seems like there's a bunch of movies a lot of people are going to see that are going to get nominated for Best Picture. And I'm talking about Oppenheimer, uh, Dune mm-hmm. 2, The Color Purple musical, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, the new Martin Scorsese movie that's supposed to have come out like two years in a row. These are all, and th- there's the new David Fincher movie, The Killer, uh, which is written by Andrew Kevin Walker, so it's their kind of reunion from Seven. There's a lot of big, prominent movies that look like they're going to get nominated for Best Picture. There's the Wes Anderson movie, Asteroid City, which has basically every single movie star in it, like Tom Hanks, Margot Robbie, Scarlett Johansson, has everybody in it. And then the wild card is Barbie. It's Greta Gerwig and Noah yeah. Baumbach. What's it going to be? Is it going to be like a fun comedy or is it going to be like a real high quality movie? So I'm, I'm excited. I'm really excited for next year because since the pandemic there, it's been a lot of like, eh, you know, have people mm-hmm. seen this, a lot of indie stuff, a lot of yeah. things like that. This feels like the first year in a while that, um, there's some real big time movies coming out that, that look like, not only Oscar contenders, but movies that a lot of people are going to see. But I'm interested so. to hear everyone. So else. what's your yeah. pick? Before I give, before I give you my prediction. <laughs> oh, I, I, I could volunteer. All right, go ahead, Joel. Um, I think Killers of the Flower Moon. I think Killers of the Flower Moon is uh, absolutely guaranteed for Martin Scorsese. Uh, I think it's uh, best picture, best director, best actor. I think it, it could run the table on that. Whether it win, I don't know. But I am, and I know Andrew's making a prediction tonight. I am too making a prediction. All right, here we go. Nolan, here we go. Christopher Nolan, mm. best director for Oppenheimer. Uh, it mm. may be a career award. He may deserve it. But the early buzz on that movie is really intense. And it's something that we really importantly need to see. And I just, I got a feeling he's going to do it. The other thing I think people need to watch out for, and he was so warmly received with The Star is Born, is Bradley Cooper for Best Actor 
and best director, perhaps, for Maestro, the story of Leonard Bernstein. So I Ooh, think oh, that I one... I know about it, that movie. Yeah, that is going to be in the mix. The buzz on that is already incredible. And he's playing Leonard Bernstein. And this is the guy who helped come up with wow. West Side Story. And he, he wrote all this stuff. I mean, he is one of the more important American composers and conductors that ever existed. And given what Bradley did with The Star is Born, I, I just, I feel like that's going to be in the conversation. Interesting. Hmm. I didn't know about Maestro. I was just looking it up, and Leonard Bernstein has always been like a personal uh, hero to me in a sense, so I'm very excited about that. Yeah, um, me too. I would, I would say uh, the one I'm, I'm thinking about is Dune Part 2, just because uh, sometimes when you have a, a, a glorious two-parter like that, it's almost a celebration of both films. And right. I thought the first one was really just, you know, so extraordinarily done um, by Dennis Villeneuve. And I, I I just assume he'll continue that trend and maybe it'll become uh, this sort of craze uh, by the end of the year. But that's huh. a, a dark horse prediction, let's say. <laughs> All right. Okay, Andrew, you're up. <laughs> All right. So... I was a little torn on this one, so, so everyone knows I, I make this pick every year. The only one I've ever gotten right was when I picked Gary Oldman to win Best Actor for The Darkest Hour, um, you know, the, the night of the 2016 Oscars. He won the 2017 Oscars, or maybe whatever, the, the year of 2017. Uh, so this has ranged from bad, including uh, I picked Saoirse Ronan one year to win Best Actress for Mary Queen of Scots. Don't know what I was thinking there. Uh, to close, I picked Paul Thomas Anderson to, to win Best Director for, for Licorice Pizza, and that, that was pretty close. Um, so this year I picked Carrie Mulligan to win Best Supporting Actress for She Said. And so I was torn between two things. I was torn between uh, Color Purple musical. So you have Fantasia Barino. She's reprising a role, Tony-winning role on Broadway. She's playing the lead in the movie. So I think that that's a very strong contender. I think everybody involved in that movie is a very strong contender, but Joel mentioned it. Maestro. uh, It's going to be on Netflix, the new Bradley Cooper movie. I am going for the second straight year. I am picking Carrie Mulligan to win an Oscar. She is playing Felicia Bernstein, Leonard Bernstein's wife. And if you think about some of these biopics about musicians, like, like the one that I think about is Walk the Line, where Reese Witherspoon won Best Actress for that. Usually the, the Oscars tend to go with the wife of the lead or the love interest of the lead in these movies. And given their marriage, the Leonard Bernstein was, um, you know, he was married to a woman, but, but he was a, homosexual and and they kind of had kind of like an understanding in their marriage. And I imagine that that's going to be sort of the dramatic focal point of the film. It's supposed to focus on their marriage. And given Mm -hmm. all of that, and and given the fact that Carrie Mulligan is a great actress and nearly won a couple years ago for promising young woman. And I picked her this year to win best supporting actress for, she said, I bet she was six 
in the nomination voting. I bet she just missed the nomination. Uh, but I think that she is going to win next year. So that is my pick uh, a year out, is Carrie Mulligan for the second consecutive year. <laughs> okay, after hearing Andrew, she needs I'm calling to win her at some sweep. Point. <laughs> I mean, I like, I like Maestro. I mean, exactly what you said, Joel. I mean, he was great uh, with uh, A Star is Born. He, like, that got nominated up and down for the Oscars. Yeah. Netflix. Netflix has been knocking at the door with, with Mank, with uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, with Roma. They've never really cashed in on that big Oscar sweep, and this is going to be their chance this year. But, again, this next year is going to be loaded with Pillars of the Flower Moon, with Oppenheimer, with Asteroid City. I'm really excited for yeah. Jeff Nichols' new movie, The Bike Riders. I love Jeff, Nich- Jeff Nichols, and it's you know, I it's love got him. Austin Butler and and Tom Hardy in it, like, and you nice. have Blitz, the Steve McQueen movie set during the Blitz in London is going to be on Apple TV Plus. They obviously won Best Picture last year. Um, I don't know if Ferrari with, by Michael Mann is going to come out since the studio went out of business, but if that comes out, you can see Adam Driver there. Alexander Payne has a new movie. It's it, David Fincher and Andrew Kevin Walker, like I mentioned, like. This is going to be a good year. I'm, I'm really excited. I feel like this Yay! is going to be the first year in a while that <laughs> yeah. we're, we're looking at this yeah, and, like, movies are going to come out. We're like, ooh, what about that one? We didn't even talk about the Napoleon biopic, the Ridley Scott movie oh. starring Joaquin Phoenix. Right. I mean, oh, right. yeah. it's just, it's, it's going to be a big it. year. And, and you know that there's going to be something at Cannes. There's going to be something at Toronto that we don't even know about yet that's going to come out and enter the mix. So yeah, yeah. I think that this is going to be yeah. a loaded year next year. That's a really good point. Hey, something to look forward listening to. to this. Yeah, <laughs> I think everybody listening to this should celebrate it. Theaters are back. Hollywood is back. And we are going to get sucked into that tsunami of greatness that, that's coming in <laughs> 2023. Yes. Yay. I like Well, that. thanks, guys, especially you, Adam, <laughs> for uh, joining us because you're in our New York office, our New York uh, so yes. satellite or whatever, so thanks for staying up. Um, but thanks, guys. Of course, you can't wait. Like you said, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a great year, so we're going to have some great Oscar uh, talks towards the end of the year and, and yep. whatnot. And, and signing off for all of you guys, as well as for me and, and Phil Wallace as well. I'm sure he'll, he'll listen to this at some point. <laughs> but uh, thanks, thanks for all your uh, all your comments and whatnot. And uh, we'll, we'll uh, all talk soon. Good night, everybody. I, have to just, I love Joel's uh, yeah. quote there, a tsunami of greatness. You could say 2022 was a triangle of sadness, <laughs> and 23 will be a tsunami of greatness. So. Thank you. There you go. We'll coin that. (laughs) Okay, good night, everybody. We'll we'll talk soon. Okay. Bye. Good night. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.